Hello and welcome to the third in the podcast mini-series that we are running during the Six Nations, How to Win a Grand Slam. I'm Owen Slot, the Chief Rugby Correspondent of The Times. This week's guest I loved because he never really thought he'd get close to his national team, let alone a Grand Slam, and yet he ended up with three of them. This is Adam Jones, the Wales tight head from 2003 and then for over a decade thereafter. Here he is honest, sometimes searingly so, surprisingly so, about what it took to win trophies that in Wales many thought they would never win again. So I'm delighted to be sitting here with Adam Jones. Adam, great to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this great podcast, How to Win a Grand Slam. You've got a fair bit of um, experience in that yourself. <laughs> yeah, I like to, well, I like to remind uh, the English uh, the English boys and the English fans up in Quinns that uh, yeah, they won a few. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah like, you know, I don't seem too big-headed, but uh, you know, I like to remind them every now and again. You've got something to talk about. Well, you know, may, may as well. It's, uh, the old, well, you get better with the age, don't you? So, it's, uh, yeah. I was a much better player now than I was then, so I like to remind people. Oh, I don't think so. Anyway, listen, let's go back to sort of to where it started. When you were a kid, you, you didn't actually want to win Grand Slams for Wales, did you? You wanted to be an All Black. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it was weird because obviously grew up in the well, growing up in the eighties in Wales. It wasn't um, apart from maybe eighty seven, eighty eight. It wasn't the most successful time of the you know ever. Mm-hmm. And then the turn of uh, you know eighties to nineties, you know, a lot of boys went to rugby league. And uh, for some reason, my parents always, well, especially my mother, who was always a massive All Blacks fan, and um, it probably started. We just down the road from me, it was a little village called La Silvera, and there's a sports shop there. And Clive Rowlands, who was, you know, coached Wales, managed the Lions, played for Wales 14 times, captain 14. Yeah, he had a sports shop there, and he always used to say that the All Blacks always wore their socks up and always um, had shorts without pockets in them. So, and for some reason, I stuck in my head that I wanted to be like these guys, and he'd always shout to me if I had my hands in my pockets. So, and then the All Blacks were obviously really good. They won the World Cup and then, you know, beat Wales in 88. So I was, yeah, just kind of infatuated by them. Like, like many people have been, you know, these mm. these sort of mythical guys in black jerseys and, uh, you know, actively encouraged to f- follow them by my mother and father. So, uh, But am I right that, that you, you're sort of the highest moment of following or, or, or a role model in a, in a Wales jersey was naming your goldfish after a Wales player? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, 80, well, 88, that was the, the year they won the uh, Triple Crown. And yeah, named after Bledon Bowen. Right, because so uh, that's he, how you wanted that. That's that yes, and he, uh, I think it was well. Apparently, the goldfish lasted uh, five years, but <laughs> I don't know whether they uh, doubled up a few times. My parents, but uh, but but the point the point really is that you grew up not thinking that the the Welsh rugby was going places that, that no, not at all. No, it was uh, honestly. Uh, I think it was nineteen ninety one. Then I remember. Watching the game in my house, Wales played France, and I think it was in the Parc de France, and we lost quite handily. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I remember saying to my mother, "You know, I was embarrassed to be Welsh." And really, which, which, which was followed then by a stiff right hander behind the back of the head. So it was uh, you, know, <laughs> you never, uh, regardless of what Wales are doing in rugby, you know, we never say that. And you know, so it's kind of um, very passionate Welshman, and you know, I'd never say that now, but at the time it just felt like. You know, we couldn't buy a win, you know, so it was, we lost all these superstars to league, like, you know, Moriarty, Jonathan Davis, Devro, all these guys, and, mm. um, you know, lost some serious talent there, and uh, so Dai Young and Richard Webster, these type of fellas, and, you know, we lost six or seven, eight, nine, you know, probably good international class players, 
you know, and then replaced him with, you know, what in the end turned out to be good, like Jinx and Scott Gibbs and these guys. But, you know, it was a tough sort of uh, transition phase. And as a kid growing up, it wasn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't an easy watch. But you didn't grow up thinking, I, I want to be that guy wearing the, the shirt of Wales. I, I mean, from what I gather, your ambition was you loved the the village Abercrave that you yeah. came from and, and you thought that that was where rugby players would play you play for your village team correct? yeah yeah pretty much yeah I think um it is very tribal it's very you know there's a local so Abercrave and then Astrogan Life is like four miles down the road you know it was a massive rivalry very much again like women from the village you know my, like my mother and uh, a few other of the guy, the those uh, type of people, you know, very. You know, I wasn't allowed to play for Astrogan Lice, even though um, the, you, the the the, 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 the yeah, so it was um, you know, but I mean, every Saturday you always looked up to the boys in the rugby club, you know. But um, certainly when it came to an age of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, when there was Sunday rugby, like a lot of these valleys, there's always like local rivalry, and uh, and then and as you said, the uh, you know the the rugby players were the. You know, the, the rock stars, you know, they'd be the ones singing, the ones drinking hmm. Saturday night, and you looked up to them. And uh, regardless of what sort of how good they were, what league they were in, but you know, you still looked up to them and uh, wanted to be them. And, and my dad playing rugby there as well. Hmm. You know, he was captain of the club a few times, and so you looked up to him as well. So it was, uh, he always wanted to play for but the club. Was that was that the heights of where you envisaged oh. yourself going? Oh yeah, massive. I never um, like I think because I was quite I was I wasn't massive as a kid. I was quite like big. I wasn't like. Fat. I was just kind of uh, bigger than an average kid, and I was quite quick at the time. I lost mm-hmm. all that. Uh, I lost any pace when I started playing professional. Realizing I was very slow when I started playing professional rugby, but I just wanted to play rugby. I wanted to play youth rugby for Abercrave. I wanted the sing songs. I wanted the yard of ale. I wanted the beer. I wanted you know. I never. Yeah. Want, I wanted the beer tokens, or you know, if you play to the first team, you get a tracksuit top. You know, I wanted. I never. I never aspired to be Wales. I never a Welsh player. Never. So there wasn't anyone particularly I looked up to in the Welsh squad at the time who I wanted to be. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. Maybe as, as I said, Dai Young had gone. Who was you know obviously a fantastic player, but you know I never. There was no one like that though. I thought I want to be like him. Um, yeah, and I, I was look. I was happy to go along. I was I was a decent player. Look, I played a bit of county. I played a bit of um, district rugby. So, but I never quite took the next step to like any. The, like the furthest I went was sort of. Um, you know, West Wales and the 16s or something. It was never any further than that. So it was, and I never had any ambition because there was no, well, there wasn't academies. Yeah. So there was no, I didn't really want to, um, you know, I didn't have the, the sort of the option to go in. You always kind of picked up by, uh, you know, from a local, like from a neath of a Swansea by uh, a scout, so to say. You know. well, I get the impression that you were always slightly surprised when someone tapped you on the shoulder and said, oh, would you like to kind of try out for this next level up? Or yeah. You never actually thought I belong there. It was just... No, sort of, I don't think so. I, 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 I Again, you kind of like being a good player, and you know, I, I liked in youth being like probably the best player in my youth team. I, you know, you enjoy that, and then it's, it's how you react. And when you go to a different, like I never really, when I went to re, uh, sorry, sorry, county games, I was never like a starter. I was off the bench, or mm. and I didn't really, you know, push myself forward. And it was, it was, it was you know, I never expected to be a uh, professional player. I never definitely didn't think I could be like a first class player. Yeah. I, I even I was off asked to go to the train with Abravon. But I, you know, I was a bit nervous, so I didn't go. Uh, when you know, sort of, when I was about eighteen, nineteen, I went. Me and my friend went to Llandovery pre-season training only because to try it out because they were on, they were in like the sort of um, 
the tier below the uh, beneath the Swansea's and uh, yeah it was, it was free food after training so we used to, we used to drive over the mountain at Slandevery uh, once or twice a week and uh, I was asked to come and pay for Slandevery hmm. but then yeah I just didn't uh, I'd never really wanted to actually commit fully to it and so you didn't play for them no I played for them in the end when I was with Neath on, on loan right but I, when I was uh, actually asked to at the time and place there I, I just like oh no it's alright I'm okay, I'm okay. I, don't, uh, I, was a bit, I was a bit shy I was a bit nervous really I didn't really think like I thought it was a good player, a decent player, but I never thought that. Oh, yeah, I, I reckon it's probably intimidated to go. You know, as you know, I was, I was, a bit, I wasn't a tough player. You know, I was, um, you know, I probably shied away for any sort of confrontation or any challenge. Mm. So I just, just didn't want to put myself out there. Really, did you ever feel? And I guess this may maybe more when you were an international player, but a Welsh prop was supposed to be a, a different personality to the one you've just described. <laughs> a Wales prop was supposed to be big and hard, and and and. and not take a backward step or whatever and, and you're you saying you were shy and you you didn't want you, you avoided confrontation that's it, the person you were yeah and you know, a lot of it hasn't changed now you know you sort of grow out of it a bit but um oh, oh definitely i think when i first got in the Welsh squad even you know it was still because i had i looked like i did you know i was still should we say carrying a bit of puppy fat they had curly hair you know i didn't look like the, people didn't expect to um yeah, look like as a Welsh prop, and you know, I remember Bobby Windsor used to get into me quite a bit about it. Not personally, but through the press, you know, how I wasn't you know, good enough, and then um, you know how I shouldn't be in the squad. You know, I'm not fit enough. You know, you know, all this type of stuff. But then, kind of uh, sending my dad kind of takes great pleasure in the fact in his book. Then he actually said I was Wales's most important player. So like eight years later, I was um, you know Bobby mm-hmm. Windsor had actually uh, come around to me slowly. So it was uh, you know look, I I knew who Bobby Windsor was, but. You know, I didn't pay much attention to it, but any sort of criticism hurt. You know, I, I got a fair bit of that sort of thing. So that you know, it took me a while to um, get past that, really. And you know, I, you know, it took a lot of heart. As I said, not I wasn't confrontational. I wasn't like a miner, although I come from like you know, my grandfather's a miner and your know, family. Yeah. Was, I wasn't like that type of you know, hard. So you just like, didn't fit the stereotype. No, not not at all. I don't think. You know, and it was a stereotype because there probably yeah. were, there probably loads of people like you that didn't fit it. Yeah, exactly. So maybe you had to pretend they did. Or yeah, no, yeah, like a lot of it. So, you know, rugby's a lot of. Uh, a lot of his bravado and, uh, you know, uh, it's like a cricket, I suppose, like an opening batsman when there's 90-mile-an-hour balls hitting you in the ribs and you've got to show you're not hurt. Mm. And you know, I guess it's a bit like that, being, especially in the front row, you know, you've got to act the way when not, you're not necessarily like that. And uh, Sometimes it's easy to hide, but sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes it comes out then, it's hard then. When times did get hard for you at the early stages of your career, and I think when you started playing for Wales and you were offended or upset about what was going on, your reaction was to turn to food, wasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, massively. It's uh, probably seeing it a little bit now, <laughs> I guess. Right. But um, yeah, 100%. You know, I, I remember, so the World Cup was 2003, got down to a good weight, trained well. Andrew Hoare, the fitness coach at the time, Steve Hansen, you know, the coach, got me into good shape. And then, yeah, played well. And then, yeah, I got subbed after a half hour. That's a half hour again. And then obviously didn't know anything about it, you know. But yeah, and then after that, I got injured in the Six Nations. And then from being probably the Six Nations, I was 120 kilos. Probably two months later, I was up to 133. Really? Just eating, drinking, you know, um, just not being professional. And, uh, yeah, that was my sort of uh, you know, comfort and um, coping mechanism with it all. So, um, Which, you know, of course, was a backfiring yeah, mechanism. Of course, yeah, exactly. You know, the only good thing for me was Steve Hansen left and my brother came in and, you know, he, yeah. you know, he wanted me to be involved somehow. So, you know, that was obviously giving me a bit more of a... Carrot to get back down it, but so, so just go back to so when Steve, when you started playing regularly for Wales, which was around the time of the two build up to two thousand three yeah. World Cup and then the World Cup, uh, and then oh four, your first Six Nations campaign. 
Steve Hansen was selecting you to start. Yes. But was taking you off after half an hour. Yes. And that's pretty damn unusual. It was at the time, yeah. And well, like, it doesn't happen much now. No, no, it's um, it doesn't happen now. Well, I'll see it every now and again. And you understandably found that obsessing because that was I humiliating it, for you, I guess. Yeah, more massive. Yeah, oh, it was embarrassing. It was humiliating. Yeah, it was devastated. Um, I, th- I think if I'd known, I think I would have found it easier. Yeah. But it was just like when you see a number come up at half hour gone, and it's like, no, I'm not injured. And yeah, so I think I think if I'd known, I would have found it a bit easier to cope with. But yeah, it was just it's it's, it's not just embarrassing for me; it's embarrassing for my mother and father. Yeah, you know, everyone the, who would like to be feeling proud yeah, of you. People say stuff in the crowd, don't they? So I'm imagining, you know, at the time I would have had a lot of sort of grief in the crowd, or you know, people have made comments about me. So look, it's, yeah, it was tough for me; it was tough for them, and uh, yeah, and friends and stuff. So it's it's yeah, it was it was I, I really I did really struggle with it, but I think if I hadn't. I think it'd been a bit easier now, if you know, with the sort of coping strategies clubs have had and internet, you know, teams have had psychologists or mm. just people to speak to, you know, and you kind of just left your own devices and just uh, eat. <laughs> so that's, that's what I did. Yeah. So, so that's so that's when you turned to eating more and feeling yeah, yeah. comfort eating, feeling sorry comfort for yourself. Comfort eating, and then it was um, probably came a bit later, but like just sort of realizing I'm not, I'm not in a good place here. I'm heavy, and then how do I get the weight down? And then it's like starving yourself, taking laxatives. You know, Did you sweatsuits? You know, do anything to get the weight down. You know, to sort of get picked again, really. So um, that probably came a little bit later on, yeah, because it wasn't quite as dramatic an increase. But if certainly any fluctuations, yeah, it was always a, uh, yeah, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd do anything. <laughs> How long would you take laxatives for then? Would that be for a prolonged um, period or just until the weight came down? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just like anything. Never, never went down the sort of. Um, you know, never make myself sick or anything like that, but yeah, definitely laxatives, like, you know, I wouldn't eat sort of from, you know, 24 hours out before I had to get into a campaign or something. So yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a bit of an ongoing battle. Like, so, you know, in my, you know, thinking, looking back now, if I just, you know, a lot of it was just down to be being professional and not, de- not dealing with any setbacks or me being lazy around, like, not training or hmm. if I was, you know, Looking at back now, if it was more professional, then they wouldn't have had that issue. You know, there was times. If, of, if, you, if you were a di- if you were a different personality, then you would have felt confident enough to approach Steve Hansen, I presume. And yeah, say, yeah. Listen, what, what's all this about? Because well, uh, well, yeah, we was it after the probably the England game or the oh, the New Zealand game, the first time it happened in the World Cup. Yeah. I saw him in the lift, and uh, he said, how are, you, "How are you feeling?" I said, "Oh, yeah, well, not great." He said, "Do you know why I took you off after half an hour?" And I was like, "No," and he said. Well, because you're not fit enough. And that was it. But I just played 80 minutes against Italy the, day, the week before. I'd man, yeah. I'd man of the match. And then you're telling me that... Like, it, turn, it turns out that if the only reason I played 80 minutes against Italy was because Duncan broke his uh, elbow. Duncan, Duncan Jones. Yeah. He broke his elbow in the game. Or was his arm in the game. And that turns out if he'd still been fit, that would have probably come off after 30 because he got sub, because he got taken off. But, but the point is, your head coach never, never took you aside and said, listen... Adam, you know, you're our starter, but we don't think you're fit enough if you work oh, on no. your fitness. Or, no, know, no, he, did, no. he didn't give you a target. No, 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 no. Which should... No, there was always... And I think that's where Gats was good with me. It was uh, He was always like, you know, rightly, people have got different targets, right? You know, rightly, wrongly, like his was like, if you're this weight, you know, you can play international rugby. And then, I, you know, I played at that weight and then did pretty well for him for six years. So, and, and that's what I needed, you know, something sort of set in stone, it's not complicated, is it? No, I'm on that setting stone, and he was, yeah, and I was, you know, that's how you saw he worked that out quite early. early. Um, he brought a guy, Craig White, in, who was his guy in Wasps, and, um, you know, got on well with him, worked me hard, mm. always on my back, and uh, 
Andrew Ho was the same with he was, he was always on my back. He was always on my case about you know extras and fitness and you know doing it you know. And you have to, if you if you, he was he was one he of the was, fitness coaches. he was the fitness coaches with Wales in O three. So he's you know so if I got a, if I had a fitness coach on my back certainly you know that helped me. Yeah. You know sometimes you know see players now they're not you know if that's they don't have that now because sometimes they're it's seen as uh, probably negative to be so pushy and you know what, what not but. Um, yeah, certainly I need I needed that constant, you know, constant. Going. I say it's 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 seen as pushy to be pushing a player to work on their fitness. Yeah, well, not pushy, but like they probably to the you know, for example, when I was horrid, have me doing like an hour long bike session in the morning, a bit of caffeine, burn fat like that way, which is which is fine, you know, it's not it's not rocket science, but you know, certain I'd say the generation now, yeah, it's not they expected to come a bit earlier. Maybe I'm being very what I'm used to for the last five years up in yeah. London, but um, certainly. Yeah, it's harder to get them to have that drive to do it themselves, you know. Right. And, uh, actually, it's, a, it's almost you. Oh, so, so stop picking on me then. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's a little bit like that. As I know, another fitness coach said, if there's more calories going in than they're coming out, then you're going to be weight on. Yeah. So it's like, and, and when you learn that, then it's easy enough, you know. You've, well, you've, got, you've got to do extra. So it's a, and that's that's it is what it is. But uh, yeah, it's a bit different now. So Adam, two thousand five comes around. You, Steve Hansen's not the coach anymore. Mike Ruddock's first uh, season as, a, as the uh, first Six Nations yeah. as Wales coach. You've had a fair amount of time to work out what's going on in Wales, Welsh rugby, international rugby. Was there anything when that season approached that suggested to you that the team was ready to achieve something? I, I think the only com- the confidence we had was the autumn before. We pushed South Africa to a score, hmm. almost beat them, and then we pushed the All Blacks to within a score or penalty I think we lost sort of a line out on yeah the 22 in the last minute so I think we had a bit of confidence from that I think you know, were, you, were you as a player had you by that time completely sort of buried your views of Welsh rugby that you had as a kid as in as a kid you thought oh, yeah. Wales aren't going anywhere by that stage were you confident that we are a team that can achieve yeah. oh massively I think um, yeah your mind, my mindset had changed it was the like even what even so the ninety seven Lions, you know, seeing how well the Welsh boys did on that, yeah, and then um, you know ninety nine had a good run, so yeah, so there was obviously it was a bit more. Oh, you know, there's you know Wales aren't a bad side anymore. You know, uh, they're starting to be public figures again. You know, sort of like people idolise them, and, and obviously Graham Henry had a massive impact on that. Brought a lot of professionalism. Steve Hansen brought a lot of professionalism, and that's what the Welsh team probably needed a little different voice from outside. You know, a lot of people in Wales think the only reason. They, you get a coaching job in Wales is because you got like a Australian and New Zealand accent. No, I think we were, we were. I don't know. I put, we probably didn't think we were going to win a Grand Slam, but we definitely had a bit of confidence coming in. You know, it was good uh, foundations put in place by Steve and Jono and Andrew Ho and. Uh, and your your first game in that season uh, in that championship was a very famous, yeah. oft remembered game against England in uh, here in Cardiff. Yeah. Um, sometimes known as Gab's game. Gab's Gavin game. Henson. <laughs> yeah, that's when he made his. Uh, that's when he came in the seat. Well, it wasn't when he came in the seat, but that's when he, uh, that's when he really was, yeah. stood out. Yeah, and I mean, that, Gab, it was known as Gavin's game because two crunching tackles on the England English youngster Matthew yeah. Tate, and then the, the okay. phenomenal kick at the end to win it. Yeah. So a lot of people have who have um, uncomplimentary uh, views on Gavin Henson and his influence on but you, but you were a, a real fan of his weren't you? Oh, yeah, I, I'd love he's a great guy yeah look I like a lot of uh, people and a lot of players after a few beers they can uh, 
rub people up the wrong way, but um, you know we had plenty of them in the Welsh team and the Ospreys team, so you <laughs> you kind of you kind of used to it. So um, no, I mean he was he was a good player. He was actually he was a, he was a great player. He was obviously it's disappointing he never quite have kind of kicked on, you know. Yeah. No, he did. That's probably probably doing with the service. He didn't like, put together a long career, no, did he? No, he was he was so he was starts. so good. He yeah. was he was like ridiculously good when he wanted to be, you know. When uh, and then he'd get injured or he'd have issues, you know, or he'd. But the guys who got the best out of him was, you know, Lynn Jones really got a lot out of him. Gats got a lot out of him because they kind of let him be a grown up, you know. Yeah. It's the ones who kind of uh, tried to put pressure on him and, like, um, you know, not not to put a curfew on him, but like put a put a lid on what he like. He, was, he wasn't loud. He wasn't like he wasn't a dick. He wasn't chops. He wasn't anything like that. But he was just he just had to go off the rails every now again. But he was he was an unbelievable player. Big. Like strong. Was he sort of a, a bit what maybe that Wales team needed at that time? In he he had a strut and a confidence. And, yeah. Uh, you know he he looked like a show off, but 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 Welsh players didn't feel that you could no, be like that. Not the slightest. No, he was, he was quiet about it. He was just like a pretty shy, you know. Uh, but on the on the pitch, he, oh yeah, yeah. He, he he looked like Superman. Didn't well, he? yeah, fake tan, shaved legs, you know, the, yeah. the gel in his hair, and uh, he was almost when he that he looked, took a lot of pressure off us, I guess. When Gav came along, yeah. we went because we beat England, and it was all the pressure on Gav. And then obviously we give it Lieben about in, and then the ball keeps rolling, in, doesn't it? And um, yeah, it was one of those ones where everything was around him, any media was around Gav, so you didn't feel any sort of. Uh, it's almost like a football manager taking the pressure off the players. Yeah, like, and he probably he loved it because he played uh, you know phenomenally well that year. So it's uh, and this you know there's, there's a reason you just, you know you're tanning like that and you're doing your legs to look good, isn't it? So it's uh, and I think. It wasn't long after he started uh, seeing Charlotte as well, so <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, so he was so, well set. In yeah, the he was. He was. Uh, yeah, so it took a lot of pressure off the boys, and he's probably one of the ones you kind of, no, not the one that got away, but like he was so good when he wanted to be. He was like, like ridiculously world class. Yeah, yeah. But then you know, it was that always never quite backing it up. And Richard Hayes England was followed by Italy. Yeah. And then the French game, which I think was quite a big personal moment uh, in your career, a big challenge for you. Yeah, you were propping against Sylvain Marconnet. Yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the great French losers. Yeah. It was a strange game, literally a game of two halves for us, I think. And I mean, definitely. Um, obviously, Alfie got injured and... Uh, but Mark and he, it was my first probable, probably my first outing international level. He, like he was giving me you know, your first outing, outing, outing getting stuffed, as in yeah, uh, you got outed for yeah, being as, as, as having my for head being sho- inadequate, yeah, or, or not good yeah, no, no, just yes, yeah, just getting my head shoved up my ass for the first half. So that's yeah. you know, so that was my first time that had happened really in, in test matches. The amazing thing was they brought Mark and he put Mark and he to tight head. They took Nico Mass off, put Mark and he to tight head, and put Milou um, the loose head on. Wasn't as good a scrummage as Marconi. He looked more like a French prop, you know, yeah. sort of cauliflower ears, high shorts, big chest, but wasn't a good a scrummager. So, from having an absolutely Marconi having a field day on me, we actually started to get a little bit on top of them because he wasn't a recognised tight dead second half. Yeah. So, uh, so it worked out good for me. And then <laughs> it was uh, when I saw he wasn't coming out against me for the second half, it was a. Uh, the best, you know, maybe get a bit more confidence. Would, would that be the toughest or one of the toughest halves you've ever had in international rugby? Because not oh, many people did anything like that to you. To that point, yeah. Well, yeah, not that many to that point. But it was a couple against New Zealand, I guess. But no, the, definitely that that one was. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough as, as a team as well. We weren't, you know, uh, and you know, if you get turned over in the scrum, you know, in crucial areas, then it's uh, you know, it's a tough. Uh, Get field position against a big French team, and then you know, it's, you know yeah. it's like it is now. You kind of winged your way through that game as a team, didn't you? I mean, yeah, yeah. As you say, you didn't look like the 
You didn't. You didn't have much dominance for much of the game. No, no. We had you know, the fact we had a couple of special players. You know, in it was uh, Nugget and uh, Shane who managed to turn the tide a bit that day. Nugget know. being Martin, Martin Williams, Williams, yeah, Shane so, Williams, yeah. So it was, um, yeah, we managed to, yeah, get away with it. I think what stuck with me was the sort of regard towards the end when they were pounding the line, pounding the line, pounding the line, and um, I think it was Servat came yeah. on an angle and Rob McBride tackled him like man, opposite number. And absolutely, like smashed him back, sort of a couple of yards, and um, yeah, I kind of just managed to take us home to victory because I think we got the balls and we kicked the touch then. So, but no, it was a good, you know, and, and I think a game like that, then you know, next game we got Scotland away, which is all right, the good side, they're not the best side in the world, you know, you you think, oh, could be on for a Grand Slam here, and that's when you that's when you start thinking, you know, uh, that's when the media start asking you, yeah, could you win a Grand Slam, and you all say, oh, we're not thinking about this oh, at all. You are, that's you are, yeah, you, you absolutely are, yeah. That's one of the questions when they were, played last year. I got interviewed by someone and they said, Are the boys be thinking about the Grand Slam? Like two games out? And I was yeah. like, well, 100%. 100% to be thinking. You're lying to my face if you don't, if you, if you don't think you're nothing about the Grand Slam with two games yeah. out. And, and that's um, the experience that you have with Markinay. How did you handle that? Did you go away shaken? Or, or? Um, I was a little bit, yeah, obviously gutted, I knew, but to be fair to Mike straight away, and that's a lot of things. I think about Mike, the first day after we played France back in, he got Stuart Evans, the old Welsh prop, to come and speak to me and just go through some scrum techniques, you know, foot positioning, binds, and, you know, no, no one knew about this. No one, like, it was one-on-one on, on a day off. What, you got, he organised some special coaches yeah, yeah, for, tr- effectively to rebuild your confidence? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So he, um, you know, he didn't, he didn't say, oh, we've got Stuart Evans coming in to work with Adam Jones or anything like that. He just got Stuart Evans in. Yeah. She coached him as one, he knew him well. Played for Wales, went to rugby league. You know, big man like myself, and uh, yeah, and just to iron out a few details then. And uh, so that was good coaching, yeah. brilliant. And, that, and, that, and that's what people don't see, I think. And that's why I've, you know, certainly I've got a real soft spot for Mike. Mm-hmm. And I'll stick up for Mike when people, you know, um, seem to, you know, criticise him. Like I said, my, when I did my book, it was exactly the same. You know, he was, uh, people don't see the little things. Uh, some, you know, sometimes he did when you know there's other things more in the media and what players have said and so you know I, you know, I, because the extraordinary thing about the whole successful team was that by hook or by crook Mike Ruddock was forced out within a within a year of the Grand Slam wasn't he yeah, yeah. but anyway just, just the, the, the Grand Slam itself so you you edged your way against France then you then you had a very good win against Scotland yeah and then you had Ireland at home and uh, and then, I mean, I remember that day particularly well myself because it was, can this really happen? You know, mm. Wales haven't won a Grand Slam since 1978. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, it, it, was, it was historical, magical, and it, it was, I don't know how it felt for you, but... It was, it was obviously before social media and all that type of stuff, but, you know, obviously, I think Alan Phillips came in the morning and said, there's, there's a TV screen in, across the road from, where is it? Where they do Winter Wonderland up there. And there's going to be like quarter of a million people in the field watching the game, you know. And you're thinking, yeah, this is ridiculous. This uh, this is bonkers, you know. And uh, you realise what a big deal it is. You're driving in the car, if you know. Um, we knew Ireland were a good team. They were on the cusp of their sort of uh, golden generation, so to speak, you know. So you felt that you were on the cusp. You no, no, that, them, right? Them, because they had O'Driscoll, they had. Oh, sorry, they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. They were Paul Connell was coming through and all. Yeah. These, so they had good players, you know. So we knew they were a good side and. Um, O'Gara, Stringer, all these sort of household names, mm. and you know, amazing things with Munster and amazing things with Leinster, and um, we knew it was going to be tough. But we, there was a confidence and momentum, and momentum's massive when you in these Grand Slam games. If you get that confidence, and you know, you come into work, come to training on Monday morning, you're bouncing for it. You know, there's always a little chat about it and uh, about the Grand Slam, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, the, the new boys get nervous, like we all were. But then the more you play in these games, the, you know, the easier it becomes. Really. Anything particularly remember about that game? Um, obviously, Gethin's charge down. I think um, and O'Gara stamping him and him throwing the ball. But no, I think we. Um, I probably, I probably played my best game of the to- uh, tournament that game. Certainly right. scrum wise, I think um, we did okay in the scrum. You know, we it was it was physical, and it was I think obviously Geth scoring that, but they never looked they never looked like they were going to win. They, for me, they never looked like they were they, was a, they were going to uh, threaten us too much. And um, yeah, no, we put you know, Kevin Morgan scored that try then, and look, it was it was a ama- it was an amazing day. It's like I'm lucky to have been a part of three Grand Slams and, and the Championship all at home mm. and it's a you know it's a surreal feeling going around the field you know um, sell, with the, waving at the fans it was a sunny day you know the roof was open so it made it a bit um, Max Boyce says God's have opened up so well, the heavens opened up so God could watch us play so oh, yeah. the, sun, the sun came down it was brilliant it was uh, growing up probably not so much then but it was, there was always criticism from like the teams from the 70s and you know yeah, the JJ Williams is and these type of guys you know always they were not as good as us and which we weren't at the time you know it was probably it was probably a lucky Grand Slam event if you can have one you know it was, we weren't, didn't show any form real form going into it hmm. so um, but no it was nice to sort of alright oh, we've got one now and uh, yeah it was, it was a surreal feeling it was, it was like unreal going into the you're going into the Hilton Hotel on the bus it was like you know it was like being in Take That there's so, <laughs> there so many people in the crowd you know off yeah. the bus you know like uh Security all went on both sides just to tunnel down. Just thousands of people there clapping you in, and uh, yeah, it was it was, it was like twenty four at the time, 24, 23, 24 and it was just uh, I'd come from started playing with Neath, and it was just uh, just before I was twenty. So to go from there to that within four years was uh, amazing, bonkers. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm just interested in the... um ungraspable truth of what, where and why success comes from because Wales had had some hard times up to then and you yeah. you lived through them you win the Grand Slam then I think that your following years after that you, you went from first to fourth to fifth mm. so it, it just, just whatever the magic ingredient was it, it, it left pretty quick oh yeah, um, yeah. I, mean, I know that there was as we just discussed there was this kind of a, a internal battle which you know somehow the coach that got you the Grand Slam was um, yeah. uh, was shifted out but um, it's very it's very Welsh rugby-ish it was very you know it happens in Welsh rugby a lot these uh, crazy things happen and uh, yeah well you have success and then yeah. you find a way of picking it apart yeah and it's like we, we, when we had the Grand Slam last year Wales is the most successful region 
was supposedly going to fold and join with the Scarlet. So it's like just these sort of soap proper things always happen. And it's a, as a player, you kind of get used to it. But um, the following years, it was obviously the year later, Mike got sacked or whatever happened with Mike, you know, no one. Sure, some people but why it. do you think it was that you got it right in 05? Probably like two, a, two games were phenomenally close. Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think um, there was a sort of resilience built up by Steve and um, John and these guys. So you know, and you know, worked us so hard in training, probably in fitness wise, so you knew you could go. Yeah. Hori was still Andrew Hori was still there, would still work you hard in fitness, so you knew you had that. You were able to you know go eighty minutes tactically, certainly around. Um, Attack wise, it was different from it was so you had Steve and John, whose influence was still there, you know, running lines, it was very technical. Steve Hansen and Scott Johnson, Scott Johnson yeah. so that was still very technical. You know, it wasn't like Wales had been used to before, really. It was, it was, it was something we hadn't seen, so a lot of big emphasis on skills, you know, forwards be able to play, you know, Mike Lowe and Gethin, these type of guys, mm. everyone, everyone could play the ball. But then Mike brought in with Steve, and it was a second thought was a scrum the line out, it was always oh, easy to win. But in the Northern Hemisphere, it's a bit different. It's not, you know, every scrum's competitive. It's not square. There's angles coming over. And then line-out is not easiest to throw to the back. Yeah. Because people are putting pressure on you. So he, when he came in, it was that's what his mindset was, Steve Hansen. But when Mike came in, it was, you know, we need a better scrum. We need a better line-out. And picked more. Where he's playing Mike Lowen in the second row, he put Mike Lowen to number eight. So he put, put specialists in specialist positions. He put, you know, he put myself, I was a tight head and didn't play Geth in a tight head, really, unless I, uh, I went off. Brent Bain and Rob Sidoli in both second rows, big men. You know, Nugget was obviously there, Dav Jones and uh, JT and you know, all these type so of guys. Quite, quite a lot of it was selecting the right sort of yeah. team then. Ryan Jones probably burst onto the scene that year as well. Yeah. He played, he played a bit, but he kind of came to the fore that year and you know, obviously went on the Lions tour on the back of it. Well, I'll be called up late and play test matches. So um, he picked the right people, I think. You know, yeah. you know Dwayne Peel was playing well at the time, Stephen was playing well. Tom Shanklin, Gav, great centre partnership. Mm. Who's in the wing? Yeah. Shane is brilliant. You know, Kevin Morgan was playing really well. You know, Reese Williams got injured. Mark Taylor came last minute and played you know, on the wing. You know, Taylor isn't the fastest in the world, but you know he's a really good defender. And you know, handled you know the Irish uh, yeah. with it, what, any issue whatsoever. So it's uh, you know it was, it was good. Uh, it was a good group of players, good boys, all all gone really well. And then all of a sudden it just goes in a puff of smoke within like uh, a year. You know, so it's uh, as you say, it all goes tits up. <laughs> so. mm. It was three years later that um, Wales won the second Grand Slam that you that you played in. Yeah. Two thousand eight, Warren Gatland had only just arrived. Yeah. When that campaign started, again, was there anything that suggested to you, "Oh, we're, we're we've got it"? You know, it's going to click now. Or no one has started, but when certainly it was a different mindset from the off because with the shocking World Cup in '07, Gats came in and he was always like he was always around the region straight away. Into speaking to me, he said. Like I want you to play, but you gotta get fitter. So right, okay. So straight away you think I need to get fitter. I want to be. He was always around uh, doing stuff. But the first, I always remember the first meeting um, upstairs in the barn up in the Vale, and Sean Edwards obviously Gats introduced Sean Edwards. And for f- every year of my Welsh career till the point was that was probably two thousand three, four, five, six, seven. There'd always been a reluctance to blitz in defence. Yeah. Always been a reluctance to blitz. So Clive Griffiths tried it. No, I was always oh, I don't know, from the backs and uh, you know senior players, and then Roland Phillips tried it. Oh, no, we'd rather drift. Sean Edwards came in and basically said, "We're a blitzing defence. If we don't like it, you can f off." There was a few more, <laughs> a few more swear words in it, and he was just he was just he didn't stand up. He just sat in the corner of the room. Sean, we're blitzing defence. If you don't like it, you know you know the team, and that was it. 
and then all of a sudden the boys who didn't like blitzing learn how to blitz and want to blitz because they know Sean's uh, so that, that, was, was, that was Sean's first campaign as yeah, well because yeah. Warren Gatlin brought him in from the exactly, yeah. Wasp combination yeah so he, that was his first campaign so, so that was the, the, what, what, what we're all talking about with France at the moment and how he's transformed and you had that yeah. benefit of that in that we're season probably, it's probably, probably very similar we probably dropped off our fitness levels like so 2007 but when he came in Gats came in they wanted the boys fitter so you already had a fitness coach there but he brought in Craig White in 2008 just after the Grand Slam Yeah. but he also brought in Paul Stridgen for a fitness session Oh yeah. so Bobby he came in and took a session and during the Six Nations and they, we realised we weren't fit enough then because it was all about this power endurance so gym then out into the barn to like wrestle and pull and you know all sort of functional training and not uh, not just bench press and not just like you know if it was bench press, you had to do like 10 sets of 10 in like five minutes, almost like a bit crossfit at times. But um, yeah, so we realised then you had to work hard. And, and that was Gats' thing. Like before, I always remember it was like born and play time in international rugby, or in club rugby in Wales, it was like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was like international, it's 38. So we've got to be almost eight minutes yeah. more running. Yeah. So you've got to be fitter. So, you know, there was everyone bought into it. And he made it, it was so simple, you know, it was just... Did that give you confidence that you had but, stuff in your in your legs that well, got, other, other uh, nations didn't have? Well, not, probably not at the time, but like certainly that's, it's, it rings true with France now because they're not fit enough. Yeah. France aren't fit enough, you know. They're um, you know the way the league structure, the way the league plays. They, you know, you're not going to be fit enough playing dash rugby because yeah. it's also nine ten man rugby. You know, obviously you get the hmm. sparks of flair every now and again, but you see how France have dealt with. You know, the big men, aren't they? Yeah. But when they go against like Wales or we've got as big men who are fitter and stronger, or you know, playing England with I don't know, Courtney Law as a Toji, uh with these guys who was big physical, you know, you don't get as much change out of them as in yeah. nine, ten men rugby in uh, France. But no, we yeah, we, we knew we were fit enough, but there was always like top ups which never really been done for four or five years. You know, extra fitness, you know, everyone's doing extra bits and uh, it was a lot more time in the gym. There was three weight sessions a week, whereas before it'd be like one and one was optional. So it was always like it was always it was a step up in professionalism for me. It was a, and yeah, it was brilliant. It was so easy for me. It was like people like, people like myself and Ian Goff. It was it made it so simple. You know, we gonna have a target there. You get around the corner, hit racks, hit racks, hit racks. If you carry the ball, carry as hard you can. But then you go off the floor and you hit the rack and you hit the rack and you hit the rack and then you have to make your tackles. And it wasn't like anything. Oh, we have to reinvent the wheel here, and or you have to play like Gethin Jenkins, or you have to play with De- uh, Duncan Jones. You like if you play, if you had thirty ta- if you had thirty five racks a game and make eight nine tackles a scrum solid bomb happy as Larry you know which I enjoyed you know it was uh, would he be the first coach that you played with that 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 was so programmed if you like he, I mean he gave you the stats afterwards which yeah. he told you if you'd hit your thirty five yeah yeah didn't yeah, it? yeah it would be on the board as you walk in so a big board like this you know um, everyone had the individual how many tackles you made how many racks you hit how many carries how many mutes lines so, so the mutes line was for example if the ball's gone to 10 there from a 9 and there's two forwards running here if you're running past with your hands up yeah. to be a dummy line so it was, uh, it was that was counted if you were at the rack but which where you were arriving at the rack so if I arrived 5th person at the rack you're just like there having a lean having a rest so you know <laughs> so realistically you want to be 1, 2, 3 at the rack and, and did you did, well you, you like that some people I mean, I love, some, I, some people might say that that's sort of taken the, the, the romance out of it or the, it's, it's, it's made it made it far more of a science than an art but, but oh, no, as a player now you, you know every player wants to know like coaching now every player wants to know how many taxes they made how many you know times yeah. they carried the ball how many metres they made and you know it's even more now you've got you know how fast you've run you know you know how many 
meters in the game, you've run at over 90% of your velocity. So it's not like it's changed so much now. It's, it's even more scientific. And yeah. uh, but you, so you were taking this all. You were you were picking this up through that Six Nations yeah, campaign. Yeah, I just, I just love it. Did, were you feeling sort of increasingly empowered as you went along? Yeah, you? it was brilliant. It was, you obviously yeah. felt it was working for you. Oh yeah, of course. It was simple. It was effective. Everything was just being more confrontational. Just get over the line, gain, just gain line. You know, if you win the gain line of rugby, it's uh, half the battle sometimes. So it's. Uh, I think another thing that stuck in my mind was we played England and uh, beat England in the first game, and and it was kind of fe- feedback you know, with players and coaches. Sometimes is a bit like you know it's hard to take, but what they do with on your sheet, they'd write down any feedback, and then come and see them if you wanted a face to face, or they'd come and see you and then write it down. So John Thomas played six, I think, that day, and in between the fifteen meters, he's only supposed to be front five carrying the ball yeah. around the corner, but he came in and carried one. And Johnny Wilkinson hit him and like knocked him out and, and he had to go off. So he got smashed in uh, running a mute line in between the 15s, which only the front five were technically supposed to do. <laughs> so, so he broke Warren's rules then? Broke Warren's rules and then underneath his GAT, 60 minutes play. Oh, this is on his sheet. On his sheet 10 tackles, 8 dominant line outs, ball carries. Notes carried the ball in, on a mute in between the 15s, got knocked out, got everything deserved. <laughs> so and it was it was that blend. Got was, everything he deserved. Yeah, it was because he did he did the, he didn't do what he was uh, <laughs> supposed to do. So it was a uh, it was a it was an eye opener. Like you know they would they tell you to your face as well. It wasn't just yeah. the, but it was an eye opener. The boys it was like oh wow. <laughs> there's no there's no place I didn't hear. So. The sequence of that of that year was you, you Wales won at Twickenham, which was the first time in in for, for many yeah. years, which was obviously was power to your confidence yeah. Scotland then the Ireland game which Shane Williams was, was so crucial in turning Italy the, the, the final game against France at home but there, was, there were scrums in that game that were turning points as yeah, much as a yeah. Shane Williams try weren't there well, I certainly think <laughs> I certainly think so yeah was, uh, <laughs> I, I, that's why I, I live off this one scrum so it's uh, yeah it was my mate it was uh, look we were under the cosh a bit at that time and they, they were they, I think it was 17-7 maybe or something close enough or maybe we were closer yeah and we just again it was well drilled by Gatch you know obviously being an ex-hooker you know puts a big emphasis on the set piece understands Northern Hemisphere rugby where as to you know you need a scrum you need a line out and uh, so no it was just it all sort of clicked together at the time and uh, you know it was but you had a crucial scrum under the post on yeah. the hour mark didn't you yeah we, yeah we pushed him off the ball yeah so it was uh, that was yeah it was one of those ones where Sticks in your memory, you know, because we won it. Ryan Jones carried and Mike Phillips, uh, but they had to push France off their own ball whilst they're attacking, you know. And they had a pretty good side out that day as well. So yeah. it was uh, certainly going to any demons from 2005 against Marconi out in uh, yeah, yeah, out in Paris. So it was pretty fair. After I won against Marconi, I did, I did pretty good against France. So until about 2013. So it was uh, no, it was, it was huge. It was, uh, I always remember John Humphreys telling me after the game. He was, he said that was. John Humphreys. It was the Osprey's coach at the time. So he, yes, yeah, the so former Wales. Yeah, co- cap- sorry, sorry, former Wales captain and no coach. Yeah, yeah, so he was. He said like that was bigger than Shane's try, bigger than you know. Obviously, he's been an ex hooker. That uh, yeah, he he loved. He said it. You, you, just, you. He said you guys deserve to celebrate just more as much as these guys. So uh, scrums a bit. It's a funny thing, isn't it? It can be a pain in the ass regarding time, but still, there's nothing better than someone pushed off the ball or winning a penalty. You know, the crowd still. As much as the crowd mourn and whinge about how long it takes, you know, yeah. you can still get as big a cheer as a try sometimes. Yeah, so it's, yeah. uh, no, so that, yeah, that that day was massive for us. It was huge uh, confidence wise as well for me. You know, going on, you know, 
the Lions next year and all this type of stuff. So mm. put me in a you know good set, good stead uh, mentally and. Uh, but but still, it's almost similar to the two thousand and five. There wasn't such a drop off, but he, but didn't maintain the. Um, no, we went to South Africa. Two tough tests, lost them both yeah. quite handily. Uh, Shane played really well <laughs> in those. We, but to be fair, we were within the penalty kick of a triple crown the year later in '09. Right. Although okay. Ireland kicked the Ogara kicked the one to win it, and then Steve missed one sort of forty-five meters out to win us the game. Oh, which would have denied them the grandstand. Yeah, we would have, we would have the triple yes, crown. So yeah. we would have actually come second, I think, if we'd kicked that. But we ended up coming fourth, I think. The 2011 World Cup yeah. was inches or decisions from from well, who knows what. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So by the time you came into 2012. I mean, that was the first time I think that you were solid favourites to win it from the start, weren't you? you were was it? I don't know. I'm not sure. To be honest. Well, was, uh, I haven't gone through the history yeah. of the odds, but, but 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 Wales in 2012 on the back I think of after the World Cup. But I think the, we had on a the pro- back of the World Cup. People were. Exp- I, th- I think the point I'm trying to make is that the, yeah. the, the 05 and 08 sort of came out of you surprised no, people, yeah. uh, and now there was expectation, which is a different thing. Oh, to do. I think I think we had a kind of what we had at the time. We had sort of like myself, Gethin. Matthew Reese or Hugh Bennett mm. um, around, around the World Cup time, but then you had, you know, Alan Wynn, Ian Evans, both still quite quite young, but have been around a bit. But then you had the Warburtons, the you know the Lydiates are coming on, the Falatows are coming on the scene, Tipperix. So you got four sort of world class. George North had just arrived. George right? North, John Davis hadn't been around that long, you know. And yeah, so there's like a new generation. Yeah, so we had a, you had an older generation who'd been around a while. But then you had all these young like superstars coming through, yeah. And like in four or five years, going to be you know world stars, and uh, you know it was, it was a nice sort of blend at the time, you know. Um, there was only three members of the O five team that were still there in, in twenty twelve. Yeah. Yourself yeah. and Geffen Jenkins and Ryan, Ryan James. Yeah, yeah. That's quite an achievement. That was brilliant. Yeah, I saw when they see the game. I watched it not long ago, probably a year ago actually. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, and the, yeah, it was me and Geffen started, and Ryan came off the bench. And uh, in which game? In, was the, in the Grand Slam game, and uh, yeah, right. it was. Uh, and I, you know, we knew. Well, I definitely knew that it was. If we'd won, if I win three, I would be there with the other. You know, the seventies guys. You know, Gerald, JPR, and Gareth, and these guys. Who, and in fairness, to Gerald and most of them, they're all pretty good. You know, they're, they're, all, they're all quite. They're all quite. They're always quite. Always quite supportive. All right. But yeah, but a lot of them aren't. You know, they're quite negative. Oh, it was great in my day, and they, and they still are now. JJ Williams was bagging damn bigger last year. Yeah. I'm yeah. like. Mate, the game is so far removed from what well, you're and you're brilliant in the seventies, no doubt. But you, you know, it's a different game now. Even professionalism is just. But you said something that's quite interesting. So you you were actually quite motivated to try and match them with the third. Yeah, yeah. That that meant something quite a lot. Well, to you. Massively, yeah. I think I think not not just those three guys specifically. Yeah. You know that sort of era who yeah who after the first Grand Slam were like oh it's a flash in the pan. You know these boys aren't that good. They're not as good as us. And then even after the second one, it's like. Oh, yeah, okay, they've only won, you know. So the, I, I, I always found some boys, maybe not, but I always found them very. I say them, the sem, the 70s players, very like dismissive of what the modern day were doing. Right. Like it was always better in our day, and it, that type of thing. That's so that's what I always found it, and uh, I guess being criticised by Bobby Windsor early doors, Graham Price early doors. Yeah, that probably rankly me. But as I said, Bobby Windsor, I said I was Wales's most important player in his book, so. I'd obviously said one him round in the end, but uh, which was which was amazing. And uh, I think but, th- but they were all part of the background cast of characters in your career. Yeah, yeah in my in my head as well. Maybe I'm, I might be totally wrong, but that's that's how I saw it. And I'll make, no, I'll make a point. I'll happily make a point that you know, you know we did what, what they did. 
You know, we yes. we won three Grand Slams in uh, and a championship in what seven years. Yeah. You know, even and another one that I guess but spans probably spans a bit of a longer generation, uh, golden generation, if you will. But yeah, I you know, with his son in. Uh, yeah, it used to wind me up a little bit. Clearly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I shouldn't have, but I think it's uh, very much like my mother in that respect. She's she's very uh, very angry. Very angry about anything. Anyone who uh, criticises. But she's angry, but you're not angry. No, you're no, but, the, but yeah, but little things. If I do uh, if I do wind myself up, that that was one thing. It was like, that was like my pet hate. Was it? Yeah. How you couldn't be as good as the seventies? Yes, and how they would be. Um, What's the word? They'd always have like the columns in the paper, and and you and you know people say you don't read the paper for your scores or whatever. We'll see what the press said, but the majority of people would read the paper, you know, to see what the, you guys have said, or, or you know, or yeah. Andy Owell has said, or yeah. something like this. So it's uh, I used to read the paper and see what they, you know, when we were in the dark days, when we were getting like 2005, oh, sorry, 2006, 2007, when we were struggling, and then we, you know. Any chance they'd have, a, you know, they'd have a pop, well, like like like, they, like JJ did with Dan Bigger now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like like if say if Martin Williams or these type of guys, well, not so Martin, obviously Welsh team manager, but a player who'd played in this era, the professional era, like I, you know, you can take it with a pinch of salt, but they but they're not like the guys from the seventies because mm. they weren't as good. Yeah. So, but like, um, yeah, it's just sending sending away is always when we up a little bit. Can you look at your three Grand Slams and say which is your favourite? Oh, that one, I think. The the, the third one. Yeah, why is that? Just because I kind of offered more. I was obviously played for the Lions, had done well in the World Cup. I was more of a leader in the team, not oh. not a particularly vocal leader, but I you know, was more of a senior player. Just I just felt they offered a lot more. Like first one, you know, five didn't offer much really, just set piece. Two thousand eight, I was just kind of coming into you know a year later coming into my own a bit. It was just a something was new. But this one, as I'd been around a while, I was sort of almost nine years into eight nine years into Test match rugby and just felt. Ghana, the sort of like got a reputation, mm-hmm. and as uh, you know, I was, and then you know, obviously you get that reputation, and it's there to be, you know, knocked, and uh, you know, people challenge you, and um, the opposition see you as a an area of strength, and you know, they they want to go at you, and I, you know, I felt that I held my own that campaign mm. pretty well. If you were to counsel or advise someone how to win a Grand Slam, I mean, you've seen it three times in three different ways. Yeah. Can you work out how it's done? Obviously, you need a bit of luck, don't you? But you need everyone. You need everyone on the same page. You need everyone um, going in the same direction. As soon as it is key, the boys who aren't playing. If you've got a squad of thirty-two, you need the eight boys who aren't playing. You need them going in the right direction as well. And we've been lucky when I've been involved. That they've all. There's never been any like negative influences. There's always these boys, you know, wanting to um, you know do as well in training for the starters. So that that's a big thing, I think. And um, you know, I think Clive Woodward talked about sappers and stuff years ago, didn't he? And if you want, you don't need if you want any sappers or negative influences, then it's it's doubly hard for you. But so they they play a massive part, and you need that bit of luck. And then when you get that momentum, you know, just for me, you just you just got to embrace it. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.